everyone, I'm Rosanna and this is AFL Obsessed. This is an earlier recording this week because we are back to Thursday night games and it also happens to be my birthday. So thanks for spending part of your day with me and what better way for me to spend it than with all of you? And one of my friends, Colleen, actually just texted me that it's National Best Friends Day, too, and how appropriate for my B-Day. So I guess all my besties in footy out there, <laughs> I'm here for you. If you're new here, welcome to the pod. I've noticed a lot of new people and listeners, and that's really exciting. I did start this back in October of 2019 just because I was looking for people like me and really anyone who was willing to talk to me about footy. My dream life still is to just have footy chat 24-7 and it's kind of been that way since I fell in love with the game. And now the pod is basically like me just professing my love for the sport maybe but also analyzing and celebrating it from all dimensions. So thanks for checking this out. And I basically just build out my shows, I guess. I mean, I don't want to say like a treasure map, but I definitely kind of clue you in on what's happening in New York City and my personal experiences and perspectives on the game. I really love kind of researching all the character dynamics that make up this great game. And there's kind of some small takes on other sports because we all love sport in general. And also just life, because the pandemic definitely threw us a curveball. I am a big theater person, so there's kind of like an homage to that with the structure of the show. And I'm a crazed, but I guess I prefer passionate AFL fan and supporter just like you. But moving along, I've had some moving issues in the last few days, guys. I need a bunch of files off of my computer, um, the iMac or whatever, and we've had it still kind of wrapped up from the move. We don't have a desk situation set up at home yet or even like a desk chair. I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this. And there's still like a lot going on around in the space. So... We didn't want to mess up the screen. It's kind of massive. I'm worried it's going to fall and just crack in half or just down the front of it. So Andrew and I have just been working off of laptops. And then I realized I don't even have the keyboard that goes with it. I think it's kind of like a magic wireless keyboard. So we've been hunting for that in the bins and I still can't find it. (laughs) Which is hilarious because, I mean, New York City apartments are not that big. And then I figured, well, maybe I can just use the mouse. You know, I do have that. So I unwrap the screen and the movers put tape directly all over the screen. So it's covered in residue. So it maybe looks like it's already taken a topple. And I realized afterwards, fully unwrapping everything, I don't have the cord that connects it to the wall. So I have been searching around for that. Um, It's kind of like one of those problems. I don't want to say like a Russian doll, but where you like kind of reveal another layer every time you uncover like some part of it. And just before I got here, I just found the cord as I was walking out the door. So there's a small celebration for that. Um, Thanks for listening to my moving rant, guys. I'm honestly just celebrating not having to move (laughs) on the weekend. I mean, you guys know we went on that little epic adventure for us and we kind of stayed in places for a month or a month plus and that would have coincided with this weekend so we would have had to pick up everything and move again so it's just so nice to be in the same space (laughs) and I'll 
probably be saying that again <laughs> in future. But let's get to it and dive into the opening overture of my overall thoughts on the week and where we're at now in NYC and also Melbourne. I feel like it's always a tale of two cities. It has been so warm here. I can't even. The humidity and I are not friends. It's just been so muggy here. And a lot of people are just ditching the masks because it's so hot. And having to wear them, honestly, just even for a quick trip to the grocery store, I feel like it just is a lot of effort. But tickets to events and everything are now divided into fully vaccinated. And it has to kind of be after two weeks following that last shot depending on like which vaccine you get or um, two, you just have to have proof of a negative test. So that's been really interesting. And establishments are now posting that masks are optional indoors if you have been fully vaccinated. Again, we have that vaccine passport, which is really convenient. Um, I'm really excited though, all of the street fairs and the open air markets, which is such a big part of the summer here in the city. They're back this month, which is really exciting, like Smorgasburg. I love the farmer's markets. I love a block party in the summer, (laughs) really. And I'm just kind of like really leaning into that whole outdoor dining thing, which I hope just gets incorporated into the city from now on because it's a pretty nice element and maybe one of the best things that we can probably take with us from just the year that was 2020. We are still launching creative incentives since numbers have slowed for people getting the vaccine. So in some places in the U.S. now, um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but you can get a beer (laughs) if you get vaccinated. You can get a joint. That's right. I said joint. (laughs) If you all remember my story from previously about being an accidental, I don't want to say drug mule. um, And you can also get a lottery ticket in some places. I think New York City included. I think it's called Scratch and Vax. So this is what urgency from the government looks like. I'm all winky face looking at a particular government. And it's just a really interesting, creative way, I guess, to kind of continue um, it seemingly a little desperate to me. But um, I guess I'm just interested in kind of all the local or maybe state or federal incentives that you guys have kind of rolled out in the places where you live and how you're kind of going about maybe urging people to get the vaccine. I'm just curious if it's just us in kind of our, I don't want to say overzealous um, attempts to kind of get that done. And it is something that I do support though. So if that's what it takes, um, you know, it's just really interesting. Also, these things weren't around. I'm not saying I want the things I just named, but as I said, they weren't around at the time that Andrew and I got our vaccines. But what's been going on in Melbourne? There are currently 92 active cases in Victoria, which is a little like a little higher than I thought. Um, There have been cases breaking daily there, but it does sound like lockdown will be lifted. I want to say Thursday nightish or Friday. And I'm very hopeful for all of my friends there in Melbourne who have kind of just had to endure versions of the lockdown. I just hope that restrictions do get lifted and you'll be able to kind of go back to daily life. But now let's get to footy and on to act one with AFL headlines and highlights for round 12. So just operatic aria style. We'll just hit the high notes about what's been good from the weekend. Melbourne versus Brisbane. 
was such a great game. Two great teams, honestly, really just battling it out. And that's all we really want. Fundamentally, I think it's the thing that we all want to see when we're watching games. Melbourne was very composed. They had really elite ball movement. And Brisbane just looked sharp. I think in the first half, taking marks in all directions, they were really kind of controlling the pace and the pressure of the game itself. And it really looked like they were going to take it. Obviously, everything changed later on in the game, but it was a really fun one to watch if you hadn't had the chance. The only thing was Giant Stadium just felt really empty in all of the shots. And I know that you know, based on where it was played, but it was just kind of one of those things where it's so great. And then you kind of see the emptiness. So I kind of was hurting a little bit for the teams. There was a picture of Kazi Pickett on the weekend, one of my favorite players to watch. And now it's one of my favorite photos where he's kind of like, not even leaning forward, but just smiling with his eyes a little bit closed, his arms kind of a little bit behind him. It was during the game, and I can't help but smile when I see the photo. The exuberance on his face when he plays, they just somehow managed to capture it. I'm sorry I don't have the photographer's name with me, but mad props to you. I love it so much. The picture itself makes me really happy and It's almost kind of like this carefree abandon that I really want all players, not only on my team, but throughout the league to just have as they're playing. And it's something that I want, you know, the fans and supporters to really think about when we're cheering on our faves. In the Essendon versus Richmond Dreamtime game, I have to admit, I was kind of disappointed that this I don't want to say Hallmark, but really an emblematic game was not one of the ones that was chosen for American TV. It's a pretty big game and round, um, I want to say abroad. And I am just as happy, though, that the tickets to the game itself sold out in 17 hours. So there were 55,000 plus fans at Optus Stadium to see two Victorian teams. So, you know... There was an article talking about, I think, following Perth was making a statement about just the national competition. You know, they're a city of two teams, but it's not a two-team town. So that was really exciting to see. But the crowd really just cheering for Essendon as they kind of made this amazing surge and comeback from five goals down to kind of hit the lead in that last quarter. I mean... For any new supporters, I feel like Essendon supporters know this well, but I, I really do think that it comes with a side of like a pacemaker because you really, it's just this dramatic roller coaster. You never know which way it's going to go. Richmond's such a lethal team at the moment, though. So I think in the back of my mind, you know, maybe we weren't going to win that game, but there were moments of hope that really. Such amazing moments that gave me hope, I guess. And afterwards, Parrish received the Yayukin Award. I want to say, I hope I pronounced that correctly, which was no less deserved. But he looked completely shocked because, you know, the team lost. We don't have to talk about by how much. But when he was named as best on ground, I mean, he just looked utterly, I don't want to say dumbfounded, but... um. I couldn't help but just think, oh, okay. I mean, again, I think he really deserved the award. But then they made him make a speech, (laughs) which is always so hard. I mean, we've talked about, you know, what they make the athletes go through before, during, and after games, especially afterwards. Um, Coaches are the same when there's like press conferences. But I think he gave a really great speech at the end. 
And finally, 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 <laughs> with a few more of those words, Nick Cox got his Rising Star nomination. So we can no longer ignore that <laughs> that needed to happen. I'm so proud. I'm so happy. It's something that I've been saying tirelessly <laughs> for a while now. And unfortunately, McGraw had likely a season-ending injury. It happened pretty quickly in the first quarter and just kind of seeing him go down was just like a visceral moment for me. It was really painful and it just didn't look great. So all the best to him. I really hope that everything will be okay. And I know that he'll be back soon kind of fighting alongside our other injured players. And I just really hope the best for him and that he can come back this season, honestly. And the Saints team, it looks like, is going to have trouble kind of naming a squad of 26 for this weekend. It's crazy to think that in that event, they might be naming injured players on the list that you don't have any intention of playing. I understand it's happened previously, but it is kind of scary how extensive and lengthy the club injury lists stand at now. So hopefully they'll be able to put a list together. I know a couple of other clubs are kind of on the brink of maybe that happening too. As for the headlines this weekend, there is so much whiplash, I feel like, in the media from week to week about what's happening to the teams themselves. The headlines themselves sometimes seem a little clickbaity. There have been times where I feel like I could maybe get a lot of the story just from the headline itself and maybe kind of a byline. But Carlton has launched an internal review of their football department. Mark LeJudas has confirmed this. And just to investigate kind of why the team is performing so poorly. They are identifying and kind of analyzing the coach, but also all of his assistants, who I think quite a few of them have been in the role for some time. And one has already resigned because I think he was planning to leave at the end of the season and was like, I don't need to go through an internal assessment or review. But I just saw that Mark LeJudas has just come out and stated that he fully supports Teague in the role, which unfortunately to me is like the kiss of death. I mean, at least from the time that I've been watching, as soon as the president comes out and backs the coach, I mean, I don't want to say his days are numbered, but I'm really feeling for you, Carlton supporters. And I guess we'll find out in the next couple of weeks. And Incoming president Luke Sayers has actually already conducted informal interviews with the team while they've been in Sydney, and he's met with the co-captains, um, Patty Cripps and Sam Doherty, just to kind of find out, as I said, why they're underperforming. I think one player, again, this is all speculative. This is just what I've read. One player has talked about kind of the lack of clarity in the team's game plan, and I think another has questioned elements of like team selection, which honestly are familiar echoes to basically what had been happening to our team last season, um, which I'm so glad we're, you know, out of that now. And I really just want to encourage Carlton supporters, maybe after this, they'll get some clarity because I feel like we kind of have the best case scenario coming out of our personal situation. But what do you guys think about the games and all the issues at the clubs this last weekend? And honestly, for the round coming up too, what are your thoughts? My email is aflfootyobsessed at gmail and aflobsessed on Twitter if you'd like to share.
Okay, it's intermission. So quickly during this time, let's just cut away to other sports. So Coach K has announced his retirement after the 2021 and 2022 season. If you don't know Coach K, he is, I think, the highest paid college basketball coach at Duke. He is regarded, I think, one of the best college basketball coaches of all time. So Coach K has also coached the U.S. men's national basketball team, and he's led to some gold medals, I think three in total at the Summer Olympics. And he's also served as the head coach of the American team that won gold medals for the 2014 FIBA World Cup. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. And he was the assistant coach for the famed 92 Dream Team. So player turned successful coach, I feel. I don't want to say a la Dima and Damian Hardwick, but just kind of reminds me of that um, when we're talking about the AFL. And there was a really great article in the New York Times by Kurt Street titled Coach K's Retirement and the End of the College Super Coach, kind of determining whether or not and questioning whether the super coach is soon to be extinct. There's, you know, John Calipari with his kind of long ride at Kentucky. I feel like everybody knows him. Tom Izzo at Michigan State, who we love. And even Nick Saban, kind of like a czar of college football at Alabama. So it's kind of funny when you think about I guess a very different kind of super coach (laughs) that I talk about um, weekly because it's not like the fantasy element of AFL, but something to think about. And just to kind of talk about Naomi Osaka in a follow-up to last week's chat, just about the state of mental health for athletes. I think really it was just indicative of a broader discussion than we really had time for. I think we touched on just kind of her situation and what happened and we don't have to get into it, but I just wanted to put out there that I do think that there was a lost opportunity there to really, you know, support a player, an elite athlete really from the league side of things. I think from the institution, from the opens, just to really show that, you know, You can support a player and that that would have just been such a great story, I guess. Like you can still be a champion even when you struggle with mental health. So I was kind of disappointed that that wasn't what happened. They kind of, I don't want to use the loaded term bullying, but I feel like they ended up kind of doubling down on their stance and it kind of forced her to withdraw from the game. And in some cases, I think it's unfair to, hold her mental health hostage, you know, just to play a game that she loves. And I really hope that the AFL will kind of take things like that into consideration, other sporting codes. Um, And I know there's going to be an investigation now to see if there's a way that they can protect in terms of tennis, their athletes when it comes to mental health and how they can kind of go about that differently so that this won't happen again. And now we're on to act two, where we have discussions about relevant footy topics and issues. So I have to talk about another documentary that I really think should be, in my opinion, required viewing in every educational institution, organization. But again, it is kind of a broader discussion of racism and systemic racism in sport, but also for Australia, too, as a country. But same for us. I feel like there's a lot of similar issues and parallels that you could draw between our countries and the treatment of 
minorities and Black athletes in particular and Black people in general. You know, I hate to say it, but it really is kind of the same story told in different voices. So the documentary is called The Ripple Effect by Peter Dixon. It's a powerful 46-minute documentary and honestly a really intense watch for me. Um, It doesn't feel like 46 minutes. I think that I had kind of a different maybe impression of what the actual documentary would be about. I know that it was about the Nikki Winmar story and I think that that's kind of what I expected but I have to say that I broke down at the 17 minute mark because there was a very specific incident that was playing. Um, They actually kind of couple the shots with interviews, but they also play kind of split in almost like CCTV shots with accompanying audio of incidents that have been captured around the city of I want to say Melbourne and elsewhere throughout the country. The documentary is on 7 Plus right now for another 24 days. So I really just highly encourage all of you to watch it. I know they also play the documentary following a lot of the games in the last round. I really hope that it gets released too on a broader platform following that so that all of my Americans have access to it. I kind of had to be creative about how I watched it. We don't really have to get into it, but... As I said, the story is about the Nikki Winmar incident that we have also talked at great length about in season one. But it was also, there really were some visceral moments, I think, that even I felt um, that I could really relate to. And just kind of the uncertainty of when you're walking around, seeing someone kind of approach you in not necessarily a hostile way, but not the most positive vibes you know, you just automatically question, like, is this person going to be verbal? Are they going to be violent? It's a really, you know, it really is that thing where you're walking around in a minefield and what's going to blow up around the corner? You know, that's racism. And it's kind of, it just has an impact and it really can affect your mental health, as I said, in the state of it, which really can be an ongoing struggle. And you really do see the lasting implications of kind of, how athletes that were featured have had to deal with it since they have left the game also while they were playing but really what they are experiencing even to this day I really just appreciate how candid all of the amazing notables who were interviewed I'll kind of get into that later so as I said I won't spoil it but they were just so candid about their experiences which I Again, just really appreciate just hearing their stories, just kind of seeing what their experiences have been like. And yeah, they do kind of ask also, like, what was your first experience as far as you can remember with racism? And that's just one of those questions that can be really difficult to relive and even discuss. And, you know, Adam Goods was not interviewed. We have talked about him I think way back even in the sixth episode, My Australian Dream, we've talked about the documentary that was also about Adam's experiences. So he was just unanimously voted to be inducted into the AFL Hall of Fame. And Adam actually came out and just rejected the offer. And I think 
this is just my opinion, honestly, just the way that the league handled the racism issues during his time and also their response to what he had been going through, they didn't actually acknowledge it. I don't want to say that they were saying, you know, it never happened, but the league didn't even come out and apologize until that documentary came out, I think in 2018. So, you know, they really kind of had to see his experiences. And I'm not saying that that was what provoked an apology. I do think that that was rather delayed. I think it needed to happen before. But I believe that it's been said Adam doesn't even watch AFL anymore, like footy at all. You know, it's such a painful thing for me to hear that we, as in the collective, we may have taken something away from him that he loved, which is not something that I want for him or for anyone else to be able to do. I don't think they should have that power. And it just goes to show that there is lasting damage there from the trauma. And that's kind of what the ripple effect is based on, the ripple effects of what can happen and not just isolated incidences, but kind of what can happen in terms of like once a wave has happened, you know, many more can happen. So I think if you are going to check it out, And if you are watching it, definitely hashtag like the film title to me. I'd love to chat with you more about it. I'd love to know your thoughts. I'd love to know what you think. Um, Again, as I said, we are going to talk about it a little more because I do have quite a bit more to say. Um, But I think I want to just kind of give you guys the opportunity to see it first before I kind of go into all the little kind of intricacies that I think that the documentary kind of touched on and also like some of the nuanced things that I think are really important for everyone to learn and also discuss. And now it's the after show where there's only going to be seven games this weekend. They're actually going all the way into Monday here for our scheduling. And the Big Free 7 is happening, which is a really great event. I'm really excited to see it. For anyone who doesn't know, it is a charity event to raise money to fight MND, which is motor neuron disease. And it was inspired and created by Neil Danaher, who is an Essendon and Melbourne coaching great. And it is a disease that Neil is currently battling. And they did partner with the AFL. They have this event during halftime and it actually happens on the ground and on the field during the game. And they actually have celebrities dress up and go down this icy slide. And it's really, really entertaining. Um, I think my fave ever slide, my favorite was in 2019 when Nick um, Nick (laughs) Rewalt dressed up as Freddie Mercury. So they've had like a Night King do a slide. Um, You know, that was one of my faves. And a really convincing joker too, but it is all in the name of a really great cause. So I'm really excited that that was able to happen, even though it had to be relocated to the SCG. But thanks again, guys, for just sharing a part of your day with me and really caring about what I have to say about footy and keeping me company, especially today. So hopefully I am doing that for part of your day too. But that's it for me. Thanks again for listening, rating, and subscribing everyone. Let me know what you think. (laughs) And thanks for hanging around for the show. Stay safe and healthy. Check on your friends and neighbors. We'll get through this like footy. I'm virtually hugging you and we'll talk footy soon.